Players Podcast Standby. Places, please. Hosts and guests, places, please. House lights, go. Curtain, go. Podcast, go. Welcome to Places, Please, a podcast produced by the Community Players Theater in Beatrice, Nebraska. I'm Jamie Ulmer, Managing Artistic Director at the theater, and this is Season 3, Episode 9, for our production of Desperate Measures. This show is the sixth and final show in our 2021-2022 regular season, which means that this is also the final episode of Season 3 of our podcast. Where does the time go? In Act 2 of this episode, we sit down with Skip Filson, who plays Father Morse, and Elizabeth Filson, who is the show's stage manager. They are a great example of families finding ways to participate together at Community Players. But first, Act 1. Desperate Measures is a show I have personally been excited about producing for a couple of years. The story is pretty cut and dried, and sits just this side of being full-on melodrammer. We'll talk more about the difference between a melodrama and a melodrammer in just a second. In the show, Johnny Blood is a quick-on-the-draw cowboy who is set to be hanged for shooting a man during a bar fight. Despite it being self-defense, his fate looks sealed, as the hard-nosed governor never grants clemency. Sympathetic to Johnny's plight, the sheriff seeks out Johnny's long-lost sister so that she can plead his case with the governor. From there, the hijinks ensue in classic comedy format, with mistaken identities, over-the-top situations, and some very catchy music. The show was only recently made available for production following a successful off-Broadway run in 2017. The book and lyrics are by Tony-nominated writer Peter Kellogg, with the music by David Friedman. Set in the Wild West and filled with some obvious heroes and villains, it is easy to think of this show as being an old-fashioned melodrama. Now, before you get too excited and think you're going to be throwing popcorn while booing the villain, let's talk about what a melodrama really is. Melodrama is any show with broad good versus evil plot and characters who are more stereotype than fully realized creations. What we usually think of as melodrama I actually prefer to call it a melodrammer, and it traces its roots to the Victorian era of melodramas. We think of throwing popcorn, boos and hisses, and cheers for the hero as he saves the day. They can be very fun, and in fact, some of my first directing experiences were directing this type of show. Melodramas are still created today, we just know them in other formats like soap operas or telenovelas. Those are melodramas. So are a lot of regular primetime TV dramas, for that matter. We also see it in film. The entire film noir genre is basically a melodrama, as are superhero action movies. You can't get more good versus evil than those kind of films. In our production, we lean into the Wild West angle of the story, with our show being set in an old barn as if it was being performed by a troupe of traveling actors in the 1890s. 
This gives our cast the freedom to fully commit to the campy fun the story provides. But please, don't throw your popcorn. Now, I first stumbled on this show on a random playlist of new musical theater works. And when I heard one of the songs in the show, I had to stop and repeat the song because it was so good I needed to listen to it again. Then I looked up the show and found that the entire score was an equally fun listen. Unfortunately, at the time, the show wasn't available for licensing yet. I would occasionally search online for who was going to publish a show, show and would always come up empty until one day it showed up on a company's catalog. We immediately jumped on the chance to be one of the first theaters to produce the show. Well, that was a couple of years ago, and that pesky pandemic delayed our plans, but I am personally very excited to be directing and choreographing the show now for CP, along with Judy Verbka, who is the show's music director. Our production runs approximately 2 hours and 15 minutes with one intermission. The show is rated A2 on our production rating scale, and that means it is for most audiences, or the equivalent of a PG movie. This brings down the curtain for Act 1. Stand by for Act 2. Well, hello, and welcome both of you to the podcast. Uh, let's have you both introduce yourselves and uh, say uh, how you are connected to the show. My name is Skip Filson, and I play the part of Father Morse in the show. Uh, he is a priest, and I'll say a little bit more about that in a couple minutes. <laughs> All right, and Elizabeth? I'm Elizabeth Filson, and I'm the assistant stage manager for Desperate Measures. All right. So, you know, uh, and I mentioned this in the intro uh, to the episode, but uh, why don't you share how the two of you are? I think you guys are related. Is that right? He's the thorn in my side, <laughs> otherwise known as my dad. <laughs> and she's a pain somewhere. <laughs> And I'm his daughter. <laughs> did you did you guys work on that routine? Uh, a little we, bit. We joked in the car, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so you know, it's a, uh, it's you know, I think it's one of the unique things about uh, being involved at community players. Sometimes is that uh, we do see families be, uh, become involved, including uh, this in this case, um, a father daughter uh, combination. Uh, so I think that's always just really fun when when we can have those sort of opportunities. We like doing it. Um, so this can uh, go to um, either of you. Um, what makes Desperate Measures a show that people will want to come see? I think they want to come see a good comedy and they want to hear some good music. And I'll let Elizabeth give her an insight. And the set is one of my favorite sets I've ever seen on the BCP <laughs> stage. So I'm really excited for people to see that. Well, that's quite the compliment, considering the set isn't even done yet. It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Skip, what makes the music uh, fun and, and, and good music? It's catchy. It's, uh, it's a little bit difficult because there are as many as six different parts going at the same time. So you have to kind of be on your toes to, to keep track of everything. But it's just fun music. It's enjoyable music. It's catchy music. You're going to go out maybe humming the songs or wake up in the middle of the night humming them with that thought in your mind. <laughs> yeah, that is one of the challenges with the show because it is only a cast of six actors. And there are several times in the show where um, it's written in six-part harmony. 
Uh, so it's not like you've got somebody else that you can uh, back off on while you're mm. trying to sing. Very true. <laughs> um, so, Skip, why don't you tell us a little bit about the character that you play in the show? Okay, well, this may sound a little depressing at first, but I play the part of a uh, priest who is uh, way out west. He's very uh, lonely. He's becoming depressed. He's starting to have serious questions about his faith, and uh, so he's starting to drink. Well, he's more than started to drink. He's become an alcoholic. Uh, after all that depressing introduction, I still feel that uh, he's a very lovable character and that the, uh, the, the characters in the, on, in the play enjoy him as, as the priest. They, they like having him around. He you know, provides humor. And I believe that he brings some of the best comedic moments in the show. Uh, so I'll leave it at that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say, you know, the I really do think that um, the priest is kind of the the big comic relief of the show, um, and uh, you know, whenever he does something, it's it's going to be silly and funny. Um, I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> and I do have to say, you've done a, a really great job of incorporating and and coming up with. Uh, more ideas uh, for for the priest too, and that's been really fun. Uh, encouraging those moments and and working with you to uh, refine those. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So so how how do you come up with some of those crazy ideas? Just pops into my head. <laughs> I couldn't sit down and think of them offhand. It's just spur of the moment. Yeah. Oh, what oh, if we did this? Yeah. Uh, sometimes they're not really planned, like the time I fell off the bench. Yeah, <laughs> but which I thought because because you do such a great job of um, experimenting during rehearsals, uh, which is which is something that sometimes actors are can be afraid to do. Um, so you do a really good job of experimenting and trying new things, uh, so that their rehearsal where you did fall off the bench, I was like, oh, that was really good, and you were like, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> uh, that wasn't planned. <laughs> and I was like, oh, but, well, then don't do that again. <laughs> yeah, and I don't want this to turn into a mutual admiration society but i think the entire staff feels that they can come up with these ad hoc ideas because you're open to receiving them you're not just shutting them down right away you say oh that's good or that's not good or let's not worry about that right now so it's a it's a two-way street we we feel comfortable enough to interject our ideas yeah uh, and i think that's one of the really important things in a rehearsal process is to build that that trust amongst the cast um, and amongst and with the director that you guys can try those sort of things. And then, you know, as we as we work along, sometimes we'll find, oh, that idea just doesn't work. I think of the cowbell bit that we exactly had. Uh, we ha had this idea it's like, oh, we'll have the priests have this cowbell in this scene. And then it was like then we when we actually had a cowbell in the scene, I was like, no, that's not funny at all. It did not work. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we experiment and that's OK. That's what rehearsals are for. Um, so and I think I think those extemporaneous moments are, are going to make the audience laugh a lot harder. Yeah. Yeah. And because also you guys as performers just have um, more ownership of those kind of moments that you've come up with and that mm -hmm. you've kind of creatively developed in the rehearsal process. Um, so Elizabeth, speaking of wrangling the rehearsal process, I think you are the first uh, stage manager that we have had as a guest on the podcast in the in the three seasons that we've been doing this podcast. So there you go there, a little feather in your cap. Um, so explain a little bit about what you do during a rehearsal process as a stage manager. I feel like I do a little bit of everything. Um, my dad 
I asked him what I should say, and he said that I yell at him a lot as a stage manager. But that's just but real life. That's <laughs> just part of the deal, I think. Um, but I do help uh, when people are stuck on lines. I read lines for them, or when people are gone from a rehearsal, um, I'll read their part for them. I've tried singing a few times, um, not <laughs> successfully. Um, oh, you did, you did very well. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if other people would think that, but that's okay. Thanks. Um, and then when when the director is blocking the scenes or um, uh, talking to the actors about where to stand and where to move and how to move and where to go, I try to write down as much of that as I can so that if there are questions later, we can we have a record of it to come back to. Um, I help, I guess, with props and scene changes. Um, I get to lock up at the end of the night, which is pretty fun and exciting. <laughs> so, and you get to fill out reports every that's night. That's right. I get to submit a report every night through my <laughs> phone, which doesn't always work. But, um, And then right now we're at the part of rehearsal where I, the actors are off book, so they can't hold their script anymore. So if they get stuck or stumble on a line, I get to help guide them back to where they need to be so that we can continue so yeah yeah and you know you also do uh actors favorite things uh which is uh give them line notes <laughs> i get to tell them when they've said it wrong which they love and then they can work on it and come back tomorrow night ready to knock it out yeah park. um yeah th that's one of the challenges with, with this show is that the show is written in a, in a rhyming verse uh so uh, more so than usual, that uh, getting those lines exactly right is pretty important. Yeah, you can't ad lib at all. If you forget your line, you have to really stick to the script and know what the line is so that you can rhyme, so the next person can match the rhyme and continue with the with the scene. It gets it gets tricky. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, ex except when during rehearsals where we start to actually speak in rhyme. Just normally, <laughs> we found. I, I, me particularly, I found myself doing that. It's a very Shakespeare, Doctor Seussy yeah. rehearsal process. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 Shakespeare meets Doctor Seuss. Right, yeah. and it's the best. Um, so for both of you, what first got each of you interested and involved with theater? You have to go first. I, okay. <laughs> well, I. I've always wanted to be in theater, and I never really had an opportunity growing up and in high school and stuff. And then when the uh, Beatrice Community Players first formed with Mary Ellen Morgan and Cecil Richmond and those folks, uh, I became interested. I was at some of the formational meetings, but I didn't really get involved until a little bit later on when I decided to try out for a show and got a part. And it just kind of grew from there. Once you get in there and get on stage and get the feel of it, it gets in your blood. <laughs> and once you get, once you start getting some laughs, then you're like, oh, "That's right." I don't want to let go of that. You. It feeds you. <laughs> um, so, Elizabeth, what about you? Yeah, well, because of my dad getting involved in the Beatrice Community Players when I was little, um, I spent a lot of time in this building when I was younger. Um, I would like. I would come to rehearsals with my dad and just kind of hang out in the in the auditorium <clears throat> while they were rehearsing. And um, we lived in Lincoln for a lot of my growing up years. And so when we would drive back and forth, we'd have like the cassette tape of whatever show he was in <laughs> playing in the car. And so that music would just get embedded in my brain. And so I've always um, had a love of especially musicals. I, I like theater in general, but especially musicals. And I've always wanted to be in a musical. But... Um, have been afraid to try out for anything um, <laughs> until 
uh, a few years ago, I made a kind of a New Year's resolution that I was not going to be afraid to try new things and that I was going to, I had a few certain things on my list that I was going to do in that year. And it just so happened after I made that resolution that Mamma Mia was announced as one of the shows of the upcoming season. And so I was like, okay, here's my chance. I'm going to do it. I can't back out. And then um, COVID happened. (laughs) And so it kind of derailed that plan for a couple of years. And um, I had a lot of time to try to talk myself out of it. But um, ultimately, um, I think my dad wouldn't let me back out once I said I was doing it. So, um, So I came down and sang a song without any music (laughs) and uh jamie was really nice and gave me a chance and so i've did my first onstage show last fall um but i've been down a few times to do stage managery things with my dad and the shows that he's done so i don't know i gotta keep doing it it's in my blood (laughs) yep yep (laughs) next show is going to be her turn to be on stage yeah. We're gonna we're gonna trade off. Is that what, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because yeah, yeah, you you uh, were one of the ASNs for the production this fall. I was. Mia. Uh, so you did kind of you guys had that role reversal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you know that's a nice thing. You know you flip it back and forth a little bit, and it's nice because um, driving back and forth to and from Lincoln can get a little bit tiring, especially after a long night of rehearsal. So um, we've kind of just I don't know if we've we've had this unspoken agreement, I guess, that if one's going to be in a show, then the other one's going to do something with the show so that at least there will be two of us driving in that car every night. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to, that just uh, prompts uh, this, another question that I have is, you know, both of you do live in Lincoln, uh, but it's not unusual to have actors and volunteers come down from Lincoln to participate in CP productions. Um, why do you think that is? Well, for me, it's because we lived in Beatrice when it was formed, and I kind of grew up with this theater, and it's always been uh, semi-home for me. And uh, I have tried a couple other theaters and found them to be a little more impersonable, uh, a little more difficult to get in. And I I think that this has always been a very welcoming place for for me and for Elizabeth. Uh, As far as other people, uh, I'm sure they come down for similar reasons, but it's not just they're coming from Lincoln. They're coming from all over southeast Nebraska. When we did uh, Damn Yankees, we had somebody driving down from Fremont. Uh, We've had people from uh, Wymore, and I don't know if we even had some Kansas people come up, northern Kansas. So people are attracted to this area from all over, not just from Lincoln. I I think that the theater has a lot to do with that. They just enjoy this place i think the other thing too is that uh here i think new faces are always encouraged and welcome to um come join the the theater family and i think too that once you've been a part of a show in any way then you are kind of part of that family here and it's a really neat family to to be a part of it's a great community down here to hang out with and be around and do shows with yeah well and i think uh People like you are part of what makes that that happen. You know, it's 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 everyone involved that uh, builds that kind of environment. Um, and speaking of environment, you know, and kind of just seeing the culture of the organization and things. Skip, you know, like you said before, you you were I didn't know you that you were aware of the organization. You know, at the beginning, um, in the founding, um, but I know that you've been involved uh, a lot over the years, including being on the board in the in the nineteen eighties. Um, how have you seen the organization grow and change, but also what things have stayed the same? Well, I think 
probably the biggest thing is the budget. We had a, I won't, I won't, don't want to say shoestring budget, but we had a pretty tight budget. I'm sure the budget now is also tight, but it's so much larger now. And the theater itself has grown so much in that initially we may had either three or four shows a year with one musical you know, being one of them. Uh, now we have, I don't know, four or five or six shows. Plus we have the children's theater. We have summer activities. We have specials. The, the theater has really expanded. We, we now have a, a director who's been here for 25 years. Uh, when I was on the board, we had a new director every year. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's stability. We have two directors now, uh, plus some, some uh, paid staff. So it's really grown that way. I think it's matured immensely. Not that we were an immature organization back then, but we've, we've grown so much now that um, it's, it's just amazing. As far as similarities go, uh, we still have a very strong uh, computer, or not computer base, but we have a very strong base of, of uh, uh, clients, customers who want to come in and watch the show. We have an extremely good base of actors. The talent has not diminished at all. If anything, it's grown. Uh, we continue to attract new people coming in. Uh, so I, I think from that standpoint, you know, it's, it's very stable from the standpoint of the talent that we have working with. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's always interesting for me, you know, talking to people who were involved with the organization kind of early on in its process. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to know several of several of them uh, over the years. And yeah, just to kind of hear how this place started and and uh, and to see where we are now. Uh, it is it, it has grown, but yeah, it's still kind of that same foundation to it. Yeah, you kind of look back on them as as pioneers uh, mm. of the theater. Uh, Mary Ellen Morgan, Cecil Richmond, uh, uh, Marilyn, uh, Sandy Wright. Mm -hmm. Those those people. Uh, they just you look at them as as our our founders more, and they really are. They, yeah, they started yeah, the theater, yeah. and it's kept going. You know, a lot of theaters start up and just fall off after a year or two. I don't see that happening with us. I think we've. Help yeah. course. Yeah, the, the, the big test um, for any nonprofit is like in that five to eight year time frame um, when the founders get kind of tired, burned out, move on to other interests. Mm -hmm. And it's if you can uh, uh, turn the plow, so to speak, and get new people involved. And it, once, you, once you can do that through that first uh, kind of seven year itch turnover, um, if you can cultivate that new talent and those pe new people, then your odds of succeeding and continuing on um, shoot up pretty exponentially. Mm -hmm. Um, and this has been Nonprofit Management 101 with Professor <laughs> Jamie. <laughs> um, so as we wrap up this interview, without giving away any spoilers for this show, is there are there any particular moments or parts of the show that you are most excited to share with an audience? The audience can come expecting to laugh a lot. Yes. And they can come expecting to see some very good talent on stage. Uh, and they're going to hear some really great music and like I said earlier they're going to go home tapping their toes or waking up humming in the middle of the night or whatever so for me it would be the the uh, the talent the comedy and the songs I thought about this a lot today and I I don't think I could pick one specific scene or part of the show but I am really excited um, for people to come meet the characters of this show I think each character um, in Desperate Measures has a really great personality and I think um, that the actors who portray each character are so perfectly suited for their part 
um, you're going to look at these people and, and just be like, oh my gosh, no one else could have possibly done this. And it's going to be really neat to see. Having said that, I am not an alcoholic. <laughs> Thanks for that clarification. Yes. <laughs> Um, well, I think that's going to uh, wrap it up for us. Unless, Dom, do either of you have anything else you'd like to add? Um, yes, come to the show. <laughs> and um, if you are one of those people who, like I was, have just been on the fence about auditioning, I think you definitely give it a try, especially um, at, here at Beatrice. It's it's a very safe, uh, no-fail environment for the most part. It's um, very encouraging and welcoming and um, not as scary as you might think. <laughs> right. And I would encourage season membership as well. Oh, you need, very to, good. you need to increase that base. That's right. That's right. Season tickets are on sale now for next season. <laughs> and I was not paid for that comment. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Skip and Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And uh, we're going to send you out uh, to rehearsal. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> so thanks a lot, guys. Bye. Thank you. It's time for The Curtain Call. This podcast is a production of Community Players Theatre in downtown Beatrice, Nebraska. Our production of Desperate Measures runs for two weekends, June 10th through the 12th and the 17th through the 19th. Tickets are available by calling the box office or visiting our website. We want to take a moment to thank everyone who listens to this podcast as we wrap up our third season of podcast episodes. We hope you have learned things and gained a greater understanding of our productions and what it takes to bring shows to the CP stage. Coming up next at CP, kicking off the 2022-2023 lineup of productions, is our Stars of Summer musical, Singin' in the Rain Jr., coming in July. I'm Jamie Ulmer. This has been Places, Please, and we will see you at the theater. Curtain in. House lights up. Thank you, podcast. Make sure to reset your props and hang up your costumes. 